For someone who was at the bottom end of an eight-month binge, Trini's place wasn't too awful. I'd seen worse. To be honest, I'd lived in worse. Bottles and glasses everywhere, but it wasn't rancid with filth the way a lot of dumps get. Maybe she didn't use the kitchen as anything other than a liquid refueling station. The stovetop was free from grease. The curtains over the sink, white with yellow flowers. An empty ice tray sat on the counter, but no visible signs of any food source other than several booze bottles existed. Sunlight shone through the clear glass of one of the bottles that stood on the windowsill, casting a tiny rainbow on the far wall. I was able to set my big book, AA's Bible for Sobriety, on the table without worrying that it might sprout mold after we left. Beth popped open the refrigerator. Hey, Letty, check it out. She pointed at the bottles of wine standing alone on the top shelf. We'll have to get rid of these for her if she plans on going through with it. I automatically straightened a chair. Finished with her examination of the fridge, Beth headed through the open archway to Trini's living room. The closed curtains created a dark cave, so I flicked the lights on. The matching blue and white striped couch and loveseat were brand new, looking as out of place as a nun in a biker bar. In contrast, the cherry coffee and two side tables clashed with the golden teak tones of the couch set. Burn marks ran down the length of the outer edge of the coffee table and a side table. Trini had the dangerous habit of resting her cigarette on the edge of the table instead of in the overflowing ashtray. Mismatched lamps gave off a grimy light and had a low-end, goodwill store feel to them. An empty pizza box and several sticky glasses covered the coffee table, further indicating where Trini spent her time. An old-fashioned, plug-in-the-wall phone sat in the middle of the couch, next to her copy of the big book. The book, navy blue and steady-looking, perched sedately in the midst of the alcoholic mess. Beth propped hands on hips and peered down the hallway. Must be sleeping pretty deep if she hasn't heard us clattering around in here. She fashioned a megaphone out of her hands and yodeled down the hall. Yoo-hoo! Anybody home? You have company! We stood a few minutes in indecision. I'm going to start the treasure hunt in the kitchen, Beth said. Is it only booze I'm looking for, or does she dabble in other stuff, too? Just booze, I think. With a sigh, I headed down the hall. Trini slept in the back bedroom, but I paused to listen at the first. Why would anyone want to be a burglar? The adrenaline rush made my mouth taste tinny, and I had to pee like a racehorse. On the off chance that she'd passed out on the floor, I peeked into the bathroom. Sometimes drunks need a little siesta on the tiles. When you're an active alcoholic, you think this is mighty clever. Other than the tan seashell-dotted shower curtain, the room was a jarring peptabismal pink. She'd carried the seashell motif even further, gluing a wavy strip of wallpaper border waist-high. 
she'd either had an inner ear infection or was drunk when it was applied. Several threadbare towels lay piled on the floor in a damp, musty heap. An old-fashioned bottle of Coke syrup and an economy-sized bottle of extra-strength ibuprofen balanced on the rim of the sink. I'd almost forgotten that trick. Drunks will try anything to avoid a hangover. I know I did. This particular method worked fairly well if you discounted the enormous damage to your stomach lining. At the end of the hall, I paused again, hand hovering over the knob of Trini's bedroom door. Maybe we should just leave. I took a deep breath and opened the door.